So we kicked off this series last week with Pastor Sean, and uh, we're walking through this New Testament book. We could call it a letter. It's really just a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing, many of you might know who Paul was. He kind of shows up on the scene of human history as someone who was killing Christians and putting Christians in prison. Um, And so that's how he shows up. And then he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and his life was radically transformed and changed. Many of you probably already know this. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. And because of his writings, we still have encouragement and guidance and leading from God because of what Paul did. And so he's writing to this church in Ephesus. And it's really this part that I've been assigned to talk to you about today is really just a prayer. Paul is praying for this group of Christians, these group of Christ followers in Ephesus. And you can follow along in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Um, For those of you who are newer to scripture, it's kind of towards the back of the book a little bit. It's in the New Testament. But Ephesians chapter one and beginning at verse 15, this is what he says. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks to you, for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Can you guys say wisdom? Wisdom. And, in, and then the next word, it says, and revelation, or maybe in some of your translations, it says understanding. But Paul is praying that they would have wisdom. He goes on so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes, uh, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the glorious of his riches, his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul is describing that, hey, you are Jesus followers, and I want God to give you wisdom so that you can know Christ better. And Paul and the other disciples, after Jesus's death and resurrection, they could not stop talking about that Jesus has risen from the dead. And Paul reminds us here that this is the message. This is before there were bands, before there were Bibles, before there were banners. They, the message of Jesus Christ was he is risen from the dead and that he is king of all the other kings. He is Lord of all the other lords. In that century, people would travel around the Roman Empire and say this, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And whenever a new Caesar came, they would send out people to spread the message that there is a new Caesar that is Lord. But Paul and the other disciples, they start saying this, no, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is in power over every authority, over every other name, over every other ruler, over every king, over every queen, over every emperor, over every Caesar. No, it is Jesus who is Lord. And Paul, yeah, we can clap for that. That's great news. 
And Paul is praying that they would have wisdom to understand that and not to forget who Jesus is. Now, if you have to leave early, if your internet goes out, um, if you get distracted counting the lights in the ceiling, that's always my fault that that happens. Um, Whatever it is, or you have to leave early, I just want you to know there is, the whole point of this message is, is captured in just one question. And this one question will save you a lot of time. This one question will save you a lot of money. This one question would save you a lot of tears. This one question could save you a lot of broken hearts. And that question is this, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do? Because in light of my past experience, because your past is different from my past, your family is different from my family, the family you grew up in, where you grew up, if you grew up in a single parent home, both parents were there, you grew, your, your grandparents raised you, you were in foster care, your past is different from my past. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, maybe you just got married, maybe you wanna get married, Maybe you just started dating someone. Maybe you just started a new job. Maybe you just left a job in light of your current circumstances and then your future hopes and dreams. What do you want your life to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What are your dreams? What are your hopes for the future? So what is the wise thing for me to do in light of my past experience, my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams. What, what should I do? What's the wise thing for me to do? This is better than legal, not what's the legal thing for me to do. This is better than what's good. It's better than that. What's the wise thing for me to do? And when I was looking at this and and thinking about wisdom, there's a guy who was the third king of Israel, and he was known as one of the wisest men to ever live. Do you guys remember who that was? Solomon. All right. All the smart people sit on the front row. Solomon. That's right. Solomon, he, he talks to us about wisdom and he encourages us in this. He says, hey, I want you to sit in the seat of the wise. I want you to sit in the seat of the wise. Mark, thanks for putting that upside down for me, buddy. Um, I want you to sit in the seat of the wise. And he goes on to tell us, if you don't choose to sit in the seat of wisdom, that you're actually picking another seat to sit in. Maybe it's on purpose, maybe it's not on purpose, but you're actually picking another seat to sit in. And just like the gang was trying to sit in that, that one seat, this is the seat we should try to sit in on a regular basis. But Paul, even in chapter five, Paul says this, I want you to be, in Ephesians, I want you to be wise, not unwise, making the most of every opportunity. But Solomon says, if you don't sit in the seat of the wise, there's the first seat that you might sit in is this, the simple, the simple. Now, when we hear the word simple, we might think clueless, we might think naive, we might think inexperienced, but Paul, or excuse me, Solomon says, hey, I don't, I want you to be aware you may be sitting in the seat of the simple person. Now, the great theologian Taylor Swift got it right when she wrote a song and she wrote this song and she said this, when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to do what? 
No one listens to Taylor Swift except for me. Thank you, awkwardness. All right. She says, when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. And you're not going to believe them because you're, you're dumb. You're not going to believe them because you're trying to ruin your life. You're not going to believe them because you're trying to mess up or you, you're being rebellious. You're just going to believe them because you're 15. Because you're still simple. You're, you're naive. You, you lack something that some of the rest of us may have, some less, some more. You lack experience. You lack experience because you haven't lived very long. You've just, you're just 15. And listen to what Solomon says in this verse. He says in Proverbs 14, he says, the simple believe anything. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. So if you try to reason with the simple person, this is how they'll argue back at you, right, mom and dad? Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen, mom. Nothing's going to happen, dad. I promise nothing is going to happen. When my kids would tell me nothing's going to happen, I'm like, can you predict the future? Because if you can, we're going to be very rich. If you can predict the future, how do you know nothing's going to happen? Mom, dad, I can handle it. I can handle it, mom. I'm 15, I'm 17, I'm 18. I can handle it. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't handle it when I was your age and your mom didn't handle it when she was your age and your brothers and sisters, they haven't handled it, but you're the exception, right? You can handle it. Exactly. Yes, you can handle it. Mom and dad, you're overreacting. You're just overreacting. Mom and dad, why are you, why are you doing this? You're just overreacting. Nothing's going to happen. So if you're 25 and younger, just listen for one second. Okay. Just one second. The reason your parents overreact is because they can see the decisions that you're making and where they're leading you to. That's why they overreact. That's why we overreact. And we love you and we don't want you to have the regrets that we have in our life. See, you've never been so loose with your sexuality that you don't know if you'll ever experience intimacy again with another person. And we don't want you to. You've never been in debt so deep that you don't know if you're going to be able to make the mortgage payment or utilities or rent, or you're going to be able to put groceries in the refrigerator that week. And we don't want you to have to go through that. You've never made yourself so vulnerable to someone else and then have your heart ripped out and stomped upon, right? And you're singing the Celine Dion song, all by myself, right? You, you've never had to experience that and we don't want you to. And so when we say, hey, we want you to think about the decisions that you're getting ready to make. We want you to be wise, not unwise because we care about you. So Solomon says, hey, if, if you don't sit in the seat of wisdom, then you might sit in the seat of the simple. And simple people, all the simple people, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? I just, I wanna tell you something and then I'll move on. I'll stop picking on you, I promise. You can have your youth and you can have wisdom too. 
I mean, you can wear skinny jeans and mom jeans and color your hair different colors and have piercings everywhere and sit in coffee shops for eight hours every day. I don't know what you're doing, but I wish I could do that too. You can have your youth and you can have wisdom, but you're going to have to ask for it. Wisdom's not just gonna fall in your lap. You're not just gonna drift or back into wisdom and be like, oh, now I know what the wise thing is to do. No, you're going to have to ask for wisdom. And one more thing, 25 and younger, just do not trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. Do not trade. Please, 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 please listen. I wish that someone would have told me this when I was your age. Do not trade what you want most in the future. You can't see it right now for what you want in the moment because that choice you make in the moment will be the baggage that you're carrying for the rest of your life. You're simple and it's okay. We still love you but we want to help you. The third seat that he says is is this. Solomon says the wise, the simple, and then the fool. Do you guys remember the fool? Mr. T, I pity the fool, (laughs) right? Murdoch, I pity the fool. That, That was Mr. T, the fool. I pity the fool. Why did Mr. T pity the fool? Because the fool knows what the right thing is to do but they don't do it. See, the simple, they don't know what they don't know. But the fool, they actually know what the wise thing is to do, and then they don't do it. Hey, remember the last time you texted him at 12 o'clock? I know. Remember the the last time in your marriage? I know. Remember the last time you went drinking that late and you passed out and you don't remember? I know. I, I know I don't give a beep, right? And you can fill in the blank with whatever you fill in the blank with, right? I don't give a blank. Why? Because I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And Solomon says this about the fool. This is what Solomon says. Let's just picture this in our mind for a moment. As a dog returns to its vomit. Mm. Have you guys ever seen that before? A dog returning to its vomit? That's sick. And then you guys let your dog lick your face. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. I just, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not a pet person. I had pets when I was a kid. Then I, I got wise and I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You let the dog lick your face. As the dog returns to its vomit. So a fool repeats their folly. Oh, it was fun. It was fun, but you got arrested. Oh, it was fun, but you have a DUI now. Oh, it was fun, but remember, you were scared. You thought you were pregnant. Oh, it was fun. Remember, you had to declare bankruptcy. Oh, but it's it's fun. It's pleasurable. It's so much fun. And, And Solomon says, you're a fool. You're like a dog that returns to its vomit over and over and over again. Solomon says the fool, they they just don't care. Here's the thing. Because you might be offended. You might be like, Michael, that's the most relevant thing you've ever said. 
and I don't care, <laughs> right? But, but here's the thing for the fool. I just want to warn you for a moment. The simple, the cure for the simple is time. You finally grow up. You finally realize, oh yeah, when you're 15 and someone says they love you, you're not supposed to believe them. But you know what the cure for the fool is? Tragedy. Tragedy. And it breaks my heart. Because people who've made foolish decisions will come and they'll call us. Hey, pastor, text me. Can we meet? Can, can you counsel me? Can you talk to me? I, I'm really, my marriage is going sideways. I've, I've made some decisions. I've made some, some choices and I, I need it. I need to, you to listen to me. I need you to pray for me. And, and I will pray for you. I want you to keep calling. I want you to keep texting. I want you to keep emailing me. Just email me, Christian Axelson at Calvary Naperville. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. You, you can reach out to me, but it breaks my heart because here's the thing about the fool. Your foolishness has blinded you of your selfishness. And you think by praying a prayer and coming to meet with a pastor and crying and, and getting some Kleenexes that, that Jesus is the magic genie in the bottle and he's gonna pop out and answer your three wishes. But here's the thing, foolish person, you reap what you sow. And you know this. When we plant a tree, an, an apple seed, we're going to get an apple tree. When we plant seeds in the ground, we all know this, that we're going to get this, the seed, the fruit of the seed that we planted. And Jesus isn't going to wipe all your problems away because you prayed a prayer. Because there's a law, just like the law of gravity, you reap what you sow. And that doesn't mean that God can't forgive you. And that doesn't mean there's grace and there's reconciliation and there's love there. I, that all of those things are true. But we expect when we pray that all the consequences magically disappear. And can I just warn you, they don't. They don't. And the fool will say, it's fine. I'm not hurting anybody else. It's my body. I can do whatever I want to. It's my money. I can do whatever I want to with it. It's my time. I can do whatever I want to. It's my party. I can do whatever I want to. Right. It's, it's, it's me. I'm not hurting anybody else. But listen to what else Solomon says about the fool. I love this verse. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Students, Young adults, teenagers, you know why your parents freak out about who your friends are? Because you can be the wisest person in your friend group, but if you hang out with fools, you will suffer the consequences. If you're in the car and there's drugs in the car, you're going to, to see the jail from the inside, okay? You're, because you're in the car with them. Why? Because a companion of fools suffers harm. We all know this. We all understand this. If you hang out with fools long enough, and can I just tell you something? If they don't care about your body, or if they don't care about their body, they don't care about your body. If they don't care about their future, I don't care. It's just gonna go on my record. It's fine. If they don't care about their future, they don't care about your future. If they don't care about their finances, they for sure don't care about your finances. If they don't care about their reputation, they don't care about your reputation. If they don't care about their sexuality, they don't care about your sexuality. Why? Because a fool can't see because they've been blinded by their selfishness. 
Solomon says, I pity the fool. Because eventually, your decisions will catch up with you. The last one. Are you guys glad you came to church today? <laughs> okay. The last one is this. It's, it's the mocker. The mocker is the fool on steroids. Because not only does the mocker know what the right thing is to do, and they don't care, they're actually going to make fun of you for doing the right thing. You go to church? What? You believe what the Bible says? Are you kidding me? You really think that Jesus rose from the dead? That's why Paul is like, hey, I want you to understand Jesus rose from the dead. And hey, about the resurrection, I just want to say this, and you've heard people from Calvary say this before. If a guy can predict his death and resurrection and then he pulls it off, I just go with whatever he says. That's, that's just me. But the mocker... The mocker is, is the one, he's gonna, they're going to make fun of you for doing the right thing. They're cynical. They're sarcastic. They're critical. They always leave you kind of off balance and you don't know where you stand with the mocker because they're always talking. They act like they're the smartest person in the room and they leave you off balance and they make you start to question me because they're always laughing, they're always making fun, they're always ridiculing you. And Solomon, he says, this, he says, throw them out. There's no hope. There's no hope for the mocker. Now he's not talking about salvation there. He's just saying the way that I've seen how the mockers treat people and the way that I've seen how they've responded, there's no hope for the mocker. So church, the question is, what seat are you sitting in? And I'll close with this. Correct the simple and they won't get you. I know. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I can handle it. Correct the fool and they'll ignore you. I don't care. I don't care. Correct the mocker and they will hate you. But correct the wise and they will thank you. Why? Because the wise person knows what they don't know. The wise person is a learner. They understand I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I need other people speaking into my life. I need counselors. I need advisors. I need someone who's already traveled this road, road ahead of me. That's why I love sitting down with people who are older than me and who are further ahead in me, uh, than I am. Because they're, they've been parents of teenagers and I haven't. I'm learning this. They've handled their finances well and I'm still trying to learn how to handle my finances well. So I'm gonna ask the, the tough questions. I'm gonna say, hey, I don't understand this. They know what it looks like. They're further down the road. And Solomon says there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Because most of the time, church, God doesn't speak to me audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God. And really, I don't want to. Because I would be so freaked out. I don't know if you've ever read your Bible, but everyone that God talks to audibly, it says, and then John fell down like a dead person. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're good, God. No, you don't have to talk to me audibly. I believe you. Yes, I trust you. Please don't talk to me. 
but he normally talks to me through his word, through the Bible. That's why we encourage you every week, read your Bible. Just take five minutes every day. Set your timer on your clock. Just read for five minutes. It will change your life. And the other way that God speaks to me is through counsel, through other people who have way greater wisdom than I do, more wisdom, and I love to learn. I want to learn. And you know what that takes? Humility. Because as men, can I talk to the men for a second? Women, you can ignore this, okay? Men, we want to act like we know everything, right? We don't want anyone else telling us what to do, right? I don't need anyone telling me what to do, but can I tell you something? You need another voice in your life. We need each other, men. And and I know we, I think Mike announced this earlier, the, the men's ministry is starting up. You need a group of guys who are in your life, who are asking you, hey, how are you doing? How's your marriage going? Hey, how are, your, how are you doing with your kids? How's work going? They love you enough to give you a kick in the pants, just a little bit, just to say, hey, I can help you. Let's, let's, let's walk this journey together. You don't have to do this alone. But men, so many times we puff out our chest, we stand up straight and we act like we're the smartest, that we know it all. But hey, and, and if you want, that's the fool, I'm sorry. You're being foolishness. You're you're practicing foolishness. So church, the question is this. What seat are you sitting in? I've had some people stop me from first service this morning and they're like, Michael, at one point, I feel like I was sitting in in all of those chairs at, at some certain point in my life. And I think maybe not the mocker, but for sure the fool, right? Teenagers, 20 somethings, that was me. For sure, I was... Captain fool. I was fool. I was the leader of all the fools. But there, there have been times in my life, and, and now I'm trying with all of my heart, I'm trying to sit in this seat because I want, I want so badly to be wise, church. I do. I, I want to have wisdom. And here's what I love about Solomon. He says, hey, the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. That's where you start. You start by acknowledging there's a God in heaven who is smarter than me, who is stronger than me, who's more powerful than me. This is where you start. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's where you start saying, God, I need you in my life. I've tried to do this on my own. And church, you already, some of you know my story. When I tried to do it on my own, I just brought pain and heartache and chaos and frustration and hurt. But now I'm wanting to sit here, to sit with the wise, to walk in wisdom. And so we're getting ready to sing this song. And maybe that can be your prayer today. Maybe you're like, Michael, I need wisdom. We're gonna sing this song and this is how it goes. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom to know just what to do. Do you you need God's wisdom? And when we're singing this song, maybe just put your hands like this and make it a prayer and just say, God, I need wisdom. And I know it comes from you. God, would you help me 
Would you help me not to be so arrogant? Would you help me not to be so prideful? Would you, would you help me not to be so foolish or simple, God? I want to be a learner. I want to, I want to be a wise person. God, would you help me to be 